Welcome to the Tomball Bible Church Podcast. We exist to glorify Jesus Christ by making mature disciples to reach the nations. To find out more, visit us online at tomballbible.church. Good Friday is called Good Friday because out of the kindness of God's mercy, he sent his one and only son to die on a criminal's cross for our sin. And it was the will of the Father to crush his only son, to pay for which we could never pay. We could never pay our own payment for a sin against a holy God. And so Jesus, this man of sorrows, he took our place. And so on Good Friday, there's a mixture of both sorrow for what Jesus endured for us, but then there is also a sense of joy, isn't there? Joy that our sin has been paid. We have been forgiven. We've been set free. So there's a mixture of a moment to be somber but then also joyful. And I believe this is what Philip Bliss was seeking to produce when he wrote Man of Sorrows. Man of Sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah! What a Savior! That might be your line as we go through this. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. What a Savior. Guilty, helpless, lost were we. Blameless Lamb of God was he. Sacrificed to set us free. Hallelujah. What a Savior. He was lifted up to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. When he comes, our glorious king, all his ransomed home to bring, then anew this song we'll sing. Hallelujah. What a savior. We have a testimony about Jesus That answers the question from the scriptures of who is this? This has been the question through this time of Easter here at Tumble Bible and last Sunday for Palm Sunday. Trey presented the biblical truth that Jesus is our king. He is divine. He is righteous. And he is good. He is the king of kings. We have the testimony of two Johns who bear witness on Good Friday of the answer to the question, who is this? And I want to share the witnesses that we have from these two Johns. The first, we know of him as John the Baptist. And when he saw Jesus coming for his baptism, it says the next day, John the the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist describes this title, this name, this answer to the question, who is this, by saying, here he is, look, see, behold, it is the who? 
Lamb of God. The Apostle John, giving testimony out of the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, as heaven unfolds before him, here's what he wrote. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. The testimony of two Johns of who is this? Jesus is the Lamb of God, and he was slain for us. Isaiah 53, verses 5 through 6 says that he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus, your Lamb of God, paid the penalty for all our sin. He paid a penalty. And in a penalty against our sin, according to the Old Testament law, was that a lamb would be taken and slaughtered. And it would be a temporary payment to cover the sins of the people until the time of offering another one came. And over and over and over, the minimum balance was paid until the one who could pay it in full, came and gave his life. And Jesus paid the penalty for all our sin. First Peter 1, 18 to 19 says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You were ransomed. The penalty against your sin paid by Jesus, the Lamb of God. Is there any sin, my friends, that his death did not cover? He paid for it all. Jesus, the Lamb of God, paid the penalty for all our sin. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, satisfied the wrath of God. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. Isaiah 53.10 says, Not only was there a penalty to be paid, but there was a wrath to be satisfied. God is holy. 
pure. And our sin is a rebellion against him and it is a stain on the image of God that we bear. God cannot stand our sin. And sin has resulted in God's wrath. Yet Jesus, in his death on the cross, he made peace. By the blood of the cross that was shed, you have peace with God through your faith in Jesus Christ. The holy God, the pure God, the one who reigns over all things, through your faith in his son Jesus, he has made things right and is at peace with, with you and with me. And we did nothing to earn that peace. We did nothing to merit it. But it is a beautiful outcome of what Jesus secured for us by satisfying God's wrath. Just think for a moment. This intercessor that we have for us. Eternally begotten from the Father. Sharing all the qualities of God for Jesus is God. He is holy. He is pure. And he was sinless and innocent. And yet it was the will of God to pour out every ounce of his wrath on his son. This is our Jesus. The one who made peace. He is the Lamb of God who paid the penalty for all our sin. He's the Lamb of God who satisfied the wrath of God. Romans 5, 8 through 9 says, But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? In Christ we have nothing to fear any longer. We have peace with God. We have been forgiven. In these statements, paid and satisfied are completed works. This was one sacrifice for all sin. Done. In the words of Jesus on the cross, he uttered three words to declare what had been done. And what did he say, church? He said, it's finished. The importance about that word is that it's not written in such a way for it to be just a one-time past action. It's written in such a way to indicate that it is a completed action that has ongoing effects. So the work of Jesus not only paid the penalty for our sin and satisfied God's wrath, but there is a cleansing work that comes through the blood of Christ. He, the Lamb of God, cleanses us from our sin. So our sin is paid and God's wrath is satisfied. And as we walk this life of faith in Jesus, we stumble and we fall and we continue to sin. 
We take our eyes off of considering Jesus and we drift. Yet it is Jesus who remains our intercessor. Not only did he intercede for our sin on the cross, but he is now at the right hand of the Father interceding for us as John revealed the apostle in Revelation 5 that he hears the prayers of the saints and he intercedes for us. He cleanses us from our sin. That is an ongoing work of the cross. 1 John 1, 7 through 10 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Jesus, the Lamb of God, cleanses us in an ongoing work of the cross. We are to be those who walk in the light. And we are to be those who understand that we share in this walk with each other. That when we look at each other in this place and for all who bear the name of Jesus, we see someone who has been paid for. We see someone who the work of Christ stands as as an ongoing work of grace on their behalf. It is a fellowship in which we share that is unlike any other bond. It's the unique aspect of the church that we fellowship in the ongoing work of Jesus for us. He paid the penalty. He satisfied God's wrath and he cleanses us, each of us. But there is a responsibility for us, isn't there, in this text? We are to confess. We are to bring our sin before him and before one another and to say, Lord God, I have sinned against heaven and earth. Cleanse me, O Lord, from my sin. We're going to move into a time of confession. We're going to confess together as a fellowship and then we'll move into a time of communion and then Evan will have some remarks regarding personal confession and reflection. But we begin as a fellowship, as a community of faith, making confession together. But as we enter into this, you cannot look into my heart, nor can I look into your heart. And I don't know the condition, but here is the word of God to you and to me in this moment about the condition of our soul and our heart before God when we enter into confession. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. We can enter into confession with a godly sorrow, knowing that when we do walk according to the flesh, and when we do walk according to our sin, it is active rebellion against God. And while his peace remains, 
It does not produce true transformation and true repentance from within us. It is godly grief produces repentance that leads to something life-giving, life-transforming, and that is salvation without regret. We're going to do a practice together this evening, and I would ask that you'd stand with me. We're going to go through some slides of corporate confession. This has been done in a practice throughout the centuries for the church, and we will just confess this together, and then I'll have you be seated. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, you made all things and you call everyone to account. With shame, we admit that we have sinned against you in what we have thought, said, and done, and we deserve your judgment. We have not loved you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. Deepen our sorrow for the wrong we have done and the good we have left undone. We turn from our sins and are truly sorry for them. Have mercy on us, most merciful Father. Because of the cross of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us. Enable us to serve and please you in new life to your honor and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May be seated. From this point forward tonight, I want to encourage you to, to have a personal engagement with Jesus. What does that mean? That means that your mind and your heart would be considering Him, what He went through on your behalf. What he gave up as he emptied himself and took on the form of a servant, becoming like us, was obedient even to death. That you would confess freely before him, knowing that he has established peace and he has paid for your sin and there is nothing for which you should be ashamed. Thanks for listening. To find out more, visit us online at tomballbible.church.